He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, today joined by a good buddy of mine, former colleague of mine, uh, somebody who covers the Warriors about as good as anybody does. Brady Klopfer of of Golden State of Mine is here with me. How you doing, buddy? You doing all right? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing better than I would have been doing had the Warriors lost on Wednesday. So are you? Uh, like is are we actually better off like with them still in our lives? Question. That's, you know, honestly, even as someone who covers them, even as someone who roots for them, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I have an answer to that question. <laughs> I was like, one of the things that I, I, I legitimately found myself thinking last night while, when the Lakers, like, it was, it was always like in that four, like 10 to 14 point range, you know, late. And I, every time they started creeping closer and they got within single digits, I was like, you know, Jordan Poole is going to start thinking about how nice his life will be without Draymond Green in it for a little bit. Like, you know. <laughs> Jordan Poole already imagining what the beaches in Bora Bora look like this time of year. Yeah. Already thinking about what training camp looks like with Draymond yeah. Green wearing purple You know who doesn't, who, who isn't at risk of punching him at any moment, at any time? It's the bartenders at Bora Bora all-inclusive beaches. Like, <laughs> those guys... Totally he's not a free environment for a young millionaire. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess, like if he's like terrible to his bartenders, there's some risk there. But <laughs> no, which... drop a hundred dollar tip and you're not getting punched, Jordan, the whole trip. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the, the, the series has been fascinating. The response to it has been fascinating. Um, I got it, it's funny the people who cover these teams at this point, like if this series took place five years ago, right? Um, I think like you and I would be talking very differently because we did, we wouldn't have known each other as well. <laughs> um, I, think, <laughs> I, think, like, I, I started this series with Sam and Andy and I think that conversation probably goes very differently. Like interactions online probably go very differently um, as we have seen here with the guys playing in it, right? We've seen a whole bunch of respect at every turn, basically. A couple pot shots here and there. Steve Kerr's flopping comment. LeBron saying that he has never been associated with flopping. Um, I think Jermichael Green today put on Instagram, uh, like Photoshopped a cap on, uh, LeBron James, which, you know, clearly signifies that he disagrees with LeBron's, um, summary of his career, but like for the most part, there hasn't been like a tug on your Cape moment. There hasn't been anybody poking bears. Um, and, and yeah, I, I it's made it, it's made it, uh, like uh, it, it's it's provided its own kind of weird tension though, right? Like last night, uh, Draymond gets an and one, gets right in Jared Vanderbilt's face, like early on in the game, and Vanderbilt kind of gives him a shove. AD like steps in to give him a shove. Draymond's like talking back and forth at the free throw line and stuff, and I'm like, finally, we're here, we're good. Season is <laughs> the series has started, but um, it has still been its own variety of of really entertaining. How have you taken it in? Uh, to this point. Yeah. I mean, that point is, I was thinking about that exact same point. Um, 
because like <laughs> is I love Draymond Green. I, you know, you're everyone who's listening to this is probably a Lakers fan, so they're gonna hate me for saying that. And but I'll just unabashedly admit I love Draymond Green. How dare you? This is a this is a uniformly beloved NBA podcast. <laughs> yes, a, a, Ign- a national unbiased. I- ignore the uh, Lakers stuff. Like that's like right up here. Changes <laughs> every day. It's it's you know it, it'll be the Grizzlies next week and the, the Magic the week after. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> who put was, that Hollywood thing right there? Like why? <laughs> yeah, no saying this. <laughs> but. All I could think about last night, it, there was that moment where Draymond and Anthony Davis got tangled up and they both hit the ground and mm-hmm. AD got called for an offensive foul, I think. And then they both just kind of like sprung up and went about with their days. And then there was, yeah. of course, the the moment with LeBron and Draymond the game before where, mm-hmm. you know, not even remotely a dirty play by any stretch of the imagination, but obviously Draymond hits the ground pretty hard, hits his head off the ground. Yeah. And all I could think about was Draymond Green stomping on DeMontis Sabonis and then <laughs> claiming that it wasn't a dirty play. It was just that his foot was stuck and where else was he supposed to put his foot? <laughs> all I'm thinking about, wow, it's, it's wild how often your foot gets accidentally stuck in precarious positions with players. You and I just look for people hate. to stomp on. Yeah, like I just, <laughs> just you know, it's just it's wild. What are the odds that you dislike this guy and you accidentally find your foot on him? Whereas you're good friends with Anthony Davis, you're great friends with LeBron James. Yeah, you're you have the same agent as the two of them. Magically, your foot isn't ending up on any of them. What are the odds? That's just it's just wild. Yeah, um, it turns out the guy who was stuck that 127 hours guy who like had to cut his his hand off like. All that was missing there was somebody's chest to step on. He would have been, he would have been fine. He'd have two totally hands fine. right now. Like he'd, he'd have both Imagine of his what hands. Could have been. <laughs> yeah, I. It it has though. Like it's made for its own comedy though, because there are yeah. moments where they catch themselves, and you watch them clearly catching themselves. Like yes. normally they would like they would they would you know, Draymond would kick somebody in the nuts, but now he's like, oh wait. That's my kind of sort of boss guy. over there, LeBron. Like, I can't, don't, don't want to do that, you know? It's, um, it's truly the most, like, like you kind of have to be an NBA nerd to see it. Yes. But if you do see it, it's like the most blatant example of what all the old heads are complaining about with, like, players being buddy-buddy now. Like, yeah. this is more blatant to me than when they're, like, hugging after games yeah. or hanging out in the offseason on their banana boats and whatnot or like partnering with their tequila brands together it's these moments where you're like oh yeah this is a different era and and i don't say that negatively i love this era yeah i don't think there's any problem with this but if you're enough of an nba nerd to see those things and to know those relationships and connections to me this is like the most blatant case that we that we ever see of these guys being buddy buddy in a way that they weren't in different eras and it's it's funny and it's fascinating It's, it's interesting listeners now will not be able to unsee it like once once they see because there there have been a lot of moments this has been a hard-fought series this is at least going to be six games long uh you know uh it it, it's gone back and forth and there have been these moments where like normally there would be a little extra showmanship there would be you know after a game there would be a a couple biting quotes and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but yeah for the most part in this thing it's it's been 
I guess clean is is one word for it. Um, even though that has its own connotations that that like it's it's better or whatever. But it 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 it's just its own thing. It's a super unique thing that um, I'm not sure we'll ever really see again because it, what has to be built up in it is the years of yeah. of LeBron seeing that team specifically, this core specifically in the finals and trying to impart on the Lakers like, hey guys, we cannot at any moment here put our heads, you know, just like take a deep breath. We can't do anything like that because you do that, you take one extra dumb shot, don't you pay any a- a- attention to the 34-footers that I heave occasionally. But you take one extra dumb shot, you make one extra dumb pass, and all of a sudden it's a 8-0, 9-0, 10-0 run, just like that against this, these, this team specifically. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's been really, it's been really interesting to, to watch. And, and like, we haven't quite seen, like last night was the first night. And, and I, I think it's not a coincidence that last night, last night was the first night that we saw Draymond go full Draymond, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in some spots, I think he even said something along the lines of like, um, what are you going to do? Team me up, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and like the referees are like, no. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so like now that, now that like the Warriors backs are up against the wall and like the Lakers are in that same spot, they can't lose game six and, and go back to game seven. The series won't go, the won't go very well. If that's how this plays out, I think you are going to start seeing a few more of those very real moments. Cause there are, you know, Steph's legacies on the line. LeBron's legacy is on the line. Losing in the second round might end this dynasty that the Warriors have had. Um, does Steve Kerr get fired? All that stuff. And we'll talk about all of that like here in a bit. But yeah, I what I what I think I'm really looking forward to is in game six and maybe game seven, and we've already seen it a little bit in game five. Um, that that MTV real world quote, right? Where <laughs> when they all stop being polite and start getting real. Like like I, I cannot I I I enjoyed like a, a little taste of it last night. I can't wait because game six, I think, is it's going to feel like a game seven and then game seven is going to be a game seven. If they get there, it's, I can't wait for, for how this plays out. How do you think, how do you think Steph specifically handles that? He's, he's, he's quiet. And most of his stuff like isn't generally aimed at people. Usually he'll like kind of turn away from the game and yell at the crowd or something like that. Draymond obviously is going to be Draymond clay. Like just like, you know, always has four fingers up in the air. But how do you th- how do you think Steph Steph is going to handle this? Yeah, that's that's a really fascinating question. And before I answer it, I'm just going to be annoying and go back to something you said really quickly, just because yeah. it made me think of something. Series can be so bizarre in that, like Lakers were up three one, which mm-hmm. is like you know every headline is going to say commanding lead, right? That's like the word that we always put on a three one series. Yep. a commanding lead. And it feels like a huge thing Strangle to hold. have to overcome. And, yeah. Yeah. And and yet everyone ex- like the Lakers could have won yesterday. Sure. There, there's mm-hmm. a chance they could have won on Wednesday. And there's a chance they can win game seven if it goes to game seven. But everyone is accepting going into game five that the Warriors are gonna win that game. Mm-hmm. And everyone is accepting that if the Warriors make it to game seven, they're gonna win that game. So you have this quote unquote commanding lead of three one that everyone is also basically saying game six is the only game that matters it's like game six (laughs) is game seven like we already penciled in the warriors to win game five we already penciled in the warriors to win game seven if they get there the lakers have a 3-1 lead 
but you only and have one opportunity. You only really. have one opportunity. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. and that's like flawed reasoning, obviously, because again, like they were in it yesterday. And I, I, I'm not going to go into a game seven at all feeling like the Warriors are for sure going to win that game uh, if, if we make it there. But it's just a, a, a weird and funny kind of quirk where you can be so far in front and yet kind of weirdly feel in it like you're not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's like, question, it's, it's no, like, sorry, uh, no, 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 the, 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 I, I love that point because he, it, it's, it's something every sports fan does when your team wins a playoff game, you legitimately feel like they are never losing ever again. It's yes. just, it is never happening. What we saw in that game is going to be replicated over and over and over and over and over. Um, and, and yeah, like you're talking about like Warriors fans and, and it's funny, even I, I did this yesterday where I went into it and I, I DM'd you and I was like, there's no way that like the Lakers can win this thing. Right. And you weren't, you weren't the only one I messaged Pete. I messaged Matt. I messaged some other people who were really focused on betting stuff. Like there's no way. Right. And, and, um, and, and yet like knowing that and with that as my expect as my expectation going in i was like well there's nothing i'm i'm going to learn here that's really going to change the lakers approach here moving forward one of the first things i said to raj when we finally got around to the actual game last night is yeah i don't think jared vanderbilt can play like <laughs> like you know and 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 it and it's like i knew going in there shouldn't be any grand scale macro takeaways from a game that i don't anticipate the lakers are going to win and yet still i'm yeah. like yeah, but still, guys, <laughs> did you watch him? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, but but yeah, like, how do you how do you think that the the real like how do you think Steph is going to handle being real? Like, are, are we going to see that like because he is one of the most fiery players that for some, he's baby faced and all that stuff and 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 he's like a smaller stature guy. So, um, although like we got to check him from steroids, man. Like I've seen him like <laughs> like that. You look at him now compared to where he was when he came in the league. He really swelled up, but but um, but yeah, like how 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 do you think he's going to handle like this situation? Yeah, I mean, I think what a lot of people who don't follow the Warriors closely miss is that Steph has that kind of psychopathic trait yes. that Kobe and MJ had, where like he's a showman for sure. And like when he's home, he loves shimmying and dancing and like playing up the crowd, but make no mistake. Steph would so much rather win on the road and shut up fans and win at home and <laughs> yeah. embrace the crowd, you know, like yeah. that's, and I think most people who have reached that level of success in sports are that way where they're just kind of an asshole and they yeah, would like much winning isn't make enough. Yeah, winning isn't enough. You want to see that eight-year-old, that privileged eight-year-old who in a $40,000 seat sideline cry because yeah. you just kicked his team's ass. Like, that's what he wants to do. Same. Um, and, so I, <laughs> and so I think <laughs> Anthony Irwin, lover of watching eight-year-olds cry. Avery, just wait till you're eight. Every time you fall over, he's going to laugh. <laughs> Good parenting, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, but I think, like, I think we've kind of seen in the in the build up to this game, and we saw in the first round with Curry, right, where like he kind of played a little bit more of a point guard role against the Kings for a bit, and then of course Game Seven comes around, 
first player in NBA history to drop 50 in a game seven. And I think he's been doing that a bit in this series. You know, he's he hasn't had that takeover offensive or that takeover scoring performance yeah. yet in this series. And it hasn't, to me, it hasn't really been for lack of, it hasn't been that he can't do that. It's It's been that that hasn't been what he's been trying to do. You know, he had, mm-hmm. uh, he's been such a distributor more so than we normally see from him. He's been getting everyone else going. And Steph kind of plays that long game both within the 48 minutes of any one game and also within the seven games of a series where he's everything he's doing is kind of setting himself up and setting the team up for the next yeah. move. And so I think what we're really going to see from him in this game is closer to that game seven performance we saw in Sacramento where he says, all right, we spent I've spent five games getting everyone else in rhythm, even though they haven't really been getting in rhythm, but like he's been doing his part, setting teammates up, getting everyone to trust him, getting everyone to buy in on the system, getting as many shooters hot as possible. And I think he recognizes that, all right, now's the point where I just need to start cooking people. I just need to wave off the plays, call myself a lot of high pick and rolls, get switched on to different players, get switched on to Anthony Davis, pull him out of the paint. And I think we're going to see him put up 30 plus shots. I think we're going to see him, you know, the win or loss might come down to how many of those shots he makes. He might have another 50 piece in him. He might have a, mm-hmm. you know, 30 points on 35 shots night, in which case they ain't winning. Um, but I think that's the mentality that we're going to see from him. I think he's probably incredibly excited about this opportunity. And I think we're going to see, you know, Steph has that kind of management leadership style where like he doesn't talk all that much, but he understands how people work and he understands what positions to put people in. And I think he understands, you know, this is the environment that Draymond Green thrives in. Um, yeah. This is the environment that Clay Thompson thrives in, even though Clay has been bad this series. Um, and I think he and his leadership style is going to be such that he is going to take over where he can, but he is also going to put those guys in a position to thrive because Draymond Green back against the wall, playing in front of fans who hate him. There's nothing he would rather be doing in his life than that. Yeah. And and Steph recognizes that and i think he's a good enough leader to understand how to play into that and how to funnel that um so yeah i expect a very good i expect a very focused steph curry uh, yeah I think absolutely he's excited as hell um right now i think he's i just can't wait for this game to happen yeah the thing that terrifies me the most about game six <clears throat> and really honestly made me the most nervous going into the series in general is that like like clearly LeBron is not a hundred percent. Like we haven't, we've seen him go, you know, on stretches where he will really focus on putting clay in the basket and putting Steph in the basket and putting Wiggins in the basket, however he can. But for the most part, he can't do that for, you know, much longer than five, six minute bursts at a time. And <clears throat> the thing that makes me really nervous in the series is that like, Steph does have that gear. Like Steph has a gear in him that um, almost nobody else on the court has. AD has it defensively um, in the same way that Steph has it offensively. And we've seen some of that, but you know, with the way that Steph plays offense, we've seen it like in, in the first half in, in game four, we did see that. We saw that approach from Steph. And we saw the Warriors look really effing good when 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 he was playing that way, um, so well that like Stan Van Gundy was like actively yelling over at Steve Kerr like where the 
Where'd the pick and rolls go? <laughs> I hate the these guys. I've ever seen Stan Van Gundy criticize a coach. Like Stan Van Gundy <laughs> will bend over backwards to never criticize a coach. Yeah. And that was the first time where you could just like, he was trying so hard not to actually criticize, just like yeah. be confused politely. I mean, it's it's like so weird. I don't, they ran this many pick and rolls in the first half. I don't know where they what went, Brian. Thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like the, the like the backdrop backdrop to all of that criticism too is like these fuckers beat me in 2007 or whatever it was. <laughs> like, please do not let these people win. I hate this team. I hate this organization. <laughs> um, they even made Dwight likable. How dare they? Like. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the Steph aspect of this though is so, is, is so terrifying because yeah, like that's the, that's the pitch that I think the late, that either team has the most difficult dealing with, right? The mm -hmm. Lakers size can create problems if they really focus on getting to the rim and stuff like that and really focus on crashing the boards and, 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 and really forcing that, that size advantage on Golden State. But like Golden State has a speed counter that they can just say like, all right, well, you might score two out of every, you know, five or so possessions, but those other three that you don't, you better hope that they were dead ball turnovers that allow you to get back and get set up. Because if you don't, we are running and every single time, like I, I you know, I was doing the playback last night and, um, you know, I, I, every single time Steph saw that AD wasn't in the paint dart just an absolute yeah. dart right to the rim because he's like this is the only time i can do this yeah. and and yeah like that's the counter but the lakers so far i don't think have as you know feasible a counter to those steph pick and rolls as the warriors have a counter to the lakers size and and yeah that's where steph just breaks the math of the game like he just he just kind of molds the game in a way that really creates a whole bunch of of, of advantages for a team and yet He's the one who's down right now. He's the one who's down three two. And and like I, I'm I'm curious. Like this is a really unique experience. I think for Warriors fans, right? I yeah. I don't believe they've ever been down three one. They they have or, or against uh, OKC. They beat the, yeah, they beat OKC yeah. before then blowing their own three one lead. <laughs> they did it before it was cool. And they um <clears throat> I think they were down to the Raptors three one, but they obviously didn't overcome that one. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I think in both of the series that you're talking about, Raptors is a little different because you had so many injuries that like, it just was what it was. But I felt, I felt like against OKC, you still felt pretty confident in being the better team there. I thought, yeah. um, even when they had to overcome some stuff against Houston, you still felt like they were the better team. And eventually Chris Paul was going to do Chris Paul stuff. And, and, um, in this one though, like, I do think. Like Kerr has started three different starting lineups in five in yeah five games. Um, this this experience of you know feeling like an underdog, a legitimate underdog for 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 stretches here. How has that 
experience been and and like what have your comment sections been like man uh, the comment sections are are trash man i'll, I'll be <laughs> honest like i yeah i try to avoid talking about fans of any fan base on yeah. on twitter and whatnot but you know in the last few days I've, I've broken that rule to just call out warriors fans because they're just being completely ridiculous yeah. um you know i mean i'm just stunned given what this organization has done in the last eight years and how many times they've been behind the eight ball and found a way to win yeah i'm just shocked at how much pessimism is in the fan base that that's just like nah it's there's there's nothing you can do at this point this is a horrible team this they need to fire their coach they need to start over they need to get back james wiseman <laughs> it's just no way it's i refuse to believe that happened it's i refuse it fans, not man, even james wiseman's mom thinks that like no <laughs> not even james wiseman thinks that man um but it's just a you know i think it's the sign of like a dynasty coming to a close which like we don't know when that's going to happen it might happen tomorrow it might happen in like three or four years but there's obviously like more of the dynasty in the rear view than in front of the team right now mm-hmm. um and people cope with that different ways. There was, I had a commenter on, on last year who I'm pretty sure I've told you this story before, but like I had a commenter who would repeatedly comment last year that he was rooting for the warriors to lose in the first round because mm. he thought that that would be the wake up call that the front office and coaching Ooh, staff yeah, needed. The wake up call. Couldn't win a championship with this team. And then they go <laughs> out and win a championship. Like what are we doing here? Um, did, uh, did that, did that commentary ever come back and be like, man, I was, you know, I regret to tell the internet that I was wrong. Nope. He, he returned, <laughs> just completely ignored that and, and went and went right back into, you know, why they need to lose this year instead. Um, interesting fan base. Very interesting fan base. But um, yeah, it is it is weird seeing them be kind of underdogish, but it's also like it's a weird situation because like. On the one hand, they are the underdogs right now in the series, and on the other hand, I think a lot of people feel like they shouldn't be like, yeah, it, it feels more like all respect to the Lakers who deserve to be up three, two, this is to take nothing away from them. I think most warriors fans and most people in the warriors organization feel that the team that has beat them this series is themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the reality of a close series, right? Like they've lost two very close games. Anytime well, and Lakers flopping. Games, Right. And, and, oh yeah, it's the Lakers flopping is the main. It would have been a sweep if it weren't for the Lakers flopping. If the refs <laughs> understood how to see a flop, the Warriors yeah. would have already won the championship by now. Yeah. So was, that's these refs have never oversight. seen a flop before in their lives. Never. It's just like, man, what what is this thing? Why do they keep falling? Fully confused. They must be getting fouled clearly. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like I mean that, that that's the case with every every team, right? Like when you lose a close game, you blame yourself more than you credit the other team, and and I think that's doubly true for the Warriors right now because they have like the two close games they lost. Those were games that they really should have won. Like mm-hmm. you should not let Lonnie Walker score 15 points in the fourth quarter. You should not have the type of horrible execution down the stretch that they had in game one. And even if you go back beyond that, I think the main reason they lost game one is because they chose not to show up for a closeout game at home in game six against the Kings. And as a yeah. result, they had to go play a game seven and they were operating with so much less rest than the Lakers were for game one. If the Warriors do what they should have done and won game, win game six against the Kings, they win game one against the Lakers. 
I feel pretty comfortable saying that. And that's not mm-hmm. an excuse because it's the Warriors' damn fault. It's still their fault. Game six, like, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's the Lakers' right. credit that they went out and just kicked Memphis's ass in game six and not only got those extra rest days, but got some second half rest for their stars too because the game was so uncompetitive. Like that's an area where the Lakers succeeded and the Warriors failed. And it's a big part of why the series is 3-2 in the Lakers' favor instead of 3-2 in the Warriors' favor. But because of those things, I think when you just like watch the ability of the Warriors and the execution, I think you can make the case if you're if you have Warriors colored glasses that they should be the better team in this series. They haven't mm-hmm. been but I think you can make the case that they should be. So it's a weird position where they're the underdog. They haven't played as well. They're obviously down in the series, but you also kind of feel like this is, you don't need a miracle. You don't need something special that you can't foresee happening to happen. You just need to do the things that you should have been doing all season. And that's been the frustration with the Warriors the entire season, because that was their regular season. That was their first round against the Kings. Been the entire season is, you should be better than you are. And mm-hmm. why are you not? <laughs> and so it's a weird, it's a weird situation where they're like the underdog, but they're only the underdog because they've been disappointing and fell off from being the favorite to the underdog solely by their own disappointment. So it's like well, it's funny, you look at the odds here, <clears throat> and um right now Vegas has the the Lakers as you know negative two ten. To win the series, right? So you like you you get half your money basically, but if the Lakers win the series, went out on 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 um tomorrow uh, or tonight, by the time you guys are listening to this, uh, the Warriors are listed as only plus one eighty. You look at uh, the other series where I think you can probably say the same thing about the Celtics, right? Where the Celtics, mm-hmm. I think, are pretty clearly, I think, the better team, yeah. you know, in terms of just talent, uh, and they're only plus one fifty to come back in there. So you're not getting much. Like the team that has to go out and win two straight playoff games, again, you know, is is not is, you're not getting much if they actually go out and do that if you bet on them, and 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 I think in both of those cases you look at the other series that's actually still listed because the the Nuggets uh, Suns one is off the boards for some reason here, um, the Knicks are plus three forty and that's like a normal price for a team that is down you know, uh, heading into a game six on the road. Yeah. That's like the, the normal says price. You should win one 25% of the time. Like if, if it's a yeah. flip, you should win 25% of the time. So that's about where the odds should be. Right. And, and yeah, like I, I, I do think, cause look, I came into the series, um, and have at various points over the course of this series, not like, Oh yeah, look, I've fa- infamously said that like if Lonnie Walker is a big adjustment, the, this is a five game series, you know? Um, like the, the Warriors are just that overwhelming, uh, especially mathematically that like, it's impossible to ignore the math. I cannot not think of the math and, and yet like, you know, the Lakers, I think the reason they're in the spot that they're in is because they have, you know, created their own mathematical advantages, right? Getting mm-hmm. to the free throw line as often as they have in the games that they won, limiting the offensive rebounds and the turnovers and especially the live ball turnovers that really ignite the Warriors playing style. Um, so it is, it is, it's still really closely matched here. It's still like, I, you know, I, I would probably say that I think the Lakers are going to win game six, um, because like, there's just a lot. And like the, the thing that is like still very cognitively in the back of my mind is at some point, like the stuff that you're talking about, that's a culture's thing, right? Like that's that there are enough adults in the room. You would think 
to be able to 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 you know imprint on everybody the importance of a situation winning in a game six so you don't have to play an extra game seven and lose the rest advantage or 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 you know create a, a rest disadvantage going into the next series um and i i I, I know that this word is is a very weighted word and there's a lot behind it, but you look at some of the quotes and the headlines coming out from Warriors camp about Kaminga and about Poole, and again, for lack of a better term, but it, it just, there's this sense of entitlement because that's all they've ever experienced. They've, they have no other ex- professional NBA experience than having S- Steph and Draymond and Clay there to win you a championship no yeah. matter what you do and now they're like well no it's my turn now and 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 like i really think what you're talking about that that uh tension that exists between the guys who know what it takes to win at the level that they want to win at and the guys that they're like dragging to, to, to be able to do that and an organization by the way that has convinced itself that that future is worth continuing to focus on even despite having a real chance at continuing to let the, the dynasty immediately um like that it, it like all of that just comes together and it creates the spot that the warriors are in where yeah i you can make a very real case that if everybody has their heads on straight the warriors are not just like the most talented team left in the, in the field but like maybe fairly easily because every other team is so flawed in one way or another but having to overcome all of the nonsense and do so like, you know, at at this stage of a season where the margins are so thin. Yeah. That's the difference between being up three, two or being done four one and actually being down three, two with elimination staring you at the face. It's, it's all of it is really fascinating. Yeah. It's very fascinating. It's it. This is a team that this year, more than in any other year and maybe more than I've ever seen in the NBA is playing with their food. Um, yeah. and they're, they're just playing with their food and it, um, it reminds me of the, uh, if there are any, um, MMA fans listening to this, there's that famous video. Um, even if you're not an MMA fan, if you're just a sports fan, you know, this video of Anderson Silva, um, mm-hmm. just playing with his food against Chris Weidman and just arms down, just dancing around, showing him <laughs> that you can't hit me, you can't hit me. And then boom, he gets knocked out cold. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and man, I was hoping not to talk about concussions today, but here we are. My bad. Fine. My bad. That was very tone deaf. Very (laughs) tone deaf. Oh, God. That was my bad, guys. Very, very, very poor move on my behalf. Yeah. Um, But the Warriors are like, that hasn't happened to them yet, but it's come close. And they've been playing with their food. And, you know, it's both. The reason I think for optimism and pessimism, if you're a Warriors fan in this series, is that like what we saw against the Kings is that is why you should think this team can win a championship. And that is why you should think that this team might get destroyed in game six against the Lakers is they were so unserious against the Kings drop two road games, drop game six in a blowout when they have a chance to win. And then what do they do in game seven when they actually need to win a game? They just came out and just murked them. Mm -hmm. And that's they're they're playing like they know they can do that they've they played the first four games of the series like they knew that when the lights are on and it's time to shine that they'll find a way to get it done um and you can't at some level you can keep doing that they they could do that against the kings i don't know that they can do that against the lakers we're gonna find out um and if they do do it against the lakers 
they're going to have to figure out how to stop doing it because you're not going to do it for series straight. You're, it's yeah. just, it's just not going to happen. Um, and so I think, you know, it's such an, such an interesting situation because I think that, I think the late, the Warriors are incredibly confident that they're going to win this series. Uh, I yeah. really think they are. And I don't think that's the brash kind of confidence that led Monte Ellis to once say that he was the best player in the world, not named Kobe Bryant. I think it's the actual <laughs> confidence that they genuinely yeah, in their heart of heart think that they're going to win because they think that they're the better team and they think they just waited until they had to win to win. But especially against a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, there's only so much you can play with their food. And I think, you know, they're, they're towing the line and we're going to see which side they fall on. Let's say uh, this plays out where the Lakers win tonight by the time everybody is listening to this and um, the series is over. Um, you know, if we want to go so far as to say dynasty overs, whatever, um, this season has felt <clears throat> very much like the last dance, right? You know, it, 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 is, it starts with a, a Draymond punch to Jordan Poole and, and now you're seeing Poole not be able to offer up the punch off of the bench that he normally does. Um, like the, this series, um, how far does it go in kind of deciding the next steps that the Warriors take? That's hard. It's, it's a fascinating question, and I don't know what the answer is. I think it goes a pretty far away. I think, first off... Usually fascinating questions, like, the, it's really hard, hard to answer. find the answer. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> um, Brady learns how language works. <laughs> That's a really week. tough question. Here's how you answer it. Um. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, there, there are a lot of different factors here. And I think the first is that, you know, it's been well documented that the Warriors are paying an obscene amount of money um, in taxes. And mm -hmm. Joe Lacob has said numerous times that there is a $400 million figure that he won't go over. And that number that they haven't hit that figure because Jordan Poole's extension hasn't kicked in yet. Mm -hmm. But if they keep those five high paid players next year, they will blow past that number. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of hedged on that. Like I was kind of hedged on that a little bit. Like he said pretty clearly right after the championship last year, no, we're not going to spend more than 400 million. But this year he's kind of hedged back to the like, well, like, if we're winning championships, we'll consider anything, but we're yeah. not going to pay that kind of money to not win championships. And so I think, you know, a second round exit, even if, even if they lose an overtime of game seven to the Lakers and the Lakers go on to win the championship, Mm -hmm. I think Joe Lacob is competitive enough and uh, egotistical enough that it's just not good enough. And that the answer for him is not to continue spending these, the money hoping that it gets better. It's to yeah. say either we need to change things or we need to at least keep doing this, but at a more sustainable price point. Um, so I would be pretty surprised if they lose this series and still have all five of those guys under contract next season. Uh, that just doesn't seem feasible to me. And I, but I think a lot really comes down to what happens with Bob Myers. Um, yeah. there have been so many rumors swirling around with Bob Myers. He, his contract is going to expire. They have had conversations, but they have not, um, reached a new deal. And there are a lot of different factors at play there. There's, you know, Lakeup is kind of notorious for, not being willing to spend money except for on the roster. Um, mm -hmm. They lost 
you know, they infamously lost Chelsea Lane, their head athletic trainer to the Hawks because she essentially asked for a pay raise and they were like, nah, we'll find someone else. Yeah. Um, that that's happened with other lower level positions, whether that would happen with a GM or not kind of remains to be seen. Joe Lacob has kind of had some pretty pointed comments about how Bob Myers is, is a very well-paid GM. And yeah. that kind of hints to a little bit of tension. If, if what Bob Myers is saying is he deserves more money and Joe Lacob is telling the public that he's getting enough money. That's a little bit pointed. There's obviously been rumors that Myers might want a new challenge, might want to go, you know, try to rebuild a team might want to go back to being an agent, might want just a break from the NBA grind. And I think that's really, I think the the biggest question here is what happens with Bob Myers, because I don't think, I don't think that Bob Myers is a, is, would be willing to stay on this team and hit the reset button. The whole yeah. two timelines nonsense is, is exactly that. It's nonsense. It's not going to happen. It, it's, I'm sorry. It's, it's ludicrous. Um, yeah. And Joe Lacob might think that it can't happen. And, if he decides or Bob Myers decides that that partnership is done, then we might see that. Then we might see a team that is asking Draymond Green to opt out, looking to trade Clay Thompson or just letting Clay and Steph kind of ride into the sunset while they build around mm -hmm. Wiggins and Poole and uh, Kaminga, maybe trade some players and try to get some young players. But if Bob Myers is there, I think he understands that, yeah, the Warriors might be on the tail end of their dynasty. They might not be the juggernaut they once were, but a core of Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson and Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins is still a way better chance at winning a championship than starting <laughs> over. Jonathan Kaminga and Jonathan Kaminga Poole. and Jordan Poole. Or even like getting... Even if I don't think that's a hot take. Of, <laughs> I, I don't think it is, but you would be surprised at how many Warriors fans just kind of think that like this is an easy thing to build a winner. And it's not. And like maybe it's easy to build like a Raptors team that can perennially be like the sixth or seventh seed and yeah. you hope that maybe Kawhi falls into your lap someday and you can win one championship. But like Steph Curry is still one of the like five best building blocks for winning a championship. And even mm -hmm. if he has like a shorter expiration date than some players, you have a championship window open regardless of what happens in this series. Uh, it's not nearly as open as it was in 2015 or 2016 but you're still one of the teams with the, with the most easily accessible path to a championship. And Bob Myers, I feel confident, understands that and knows mm -hmm. that and will prioritize that. Um, but if he's not there, then I don't know. Yeah, I mentioned the entitlement that I noticed from like Kaminga and Poole, but you could extend that exact same word in probably tenfold towards Lakeup in his approach of doing this. Like, yeah. He showed up. Steph was already there. The dynasty was ready to be built. And this is all he's known. Yeah. Um, and at some point, you know, there is kind of that rude awakening of like, oh, damn, I really shouldn't have cared about two timelines while I had that guy, you know. Um, and that was the thing that, you know, back when, you know, I, I have friends who cover the Cavs. We have friends who, who cover the Cavs. And <clears throat> when, when LeBron left uh, the second time, I asked them, I was like, hey, do you think that organization has like learned how to exist in the NBA without having LeBron there to cover up so many things. And they said like, maybe, you know, there, there are some things that like might indicate maybe one way or the other, but, uh, but you know, for the most part, probably not, you know, cause how, how, if, if all you've known 
Like for for um, who's the guy who's in in uh, in New Orleans now? Um, David Griffin. For David Griffin, while he was there that 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 whole time, all he knew was having LeBron. That's yeah. it. Like that was his yeah. that was his professional experience. And he goes to New Orleans and like, yeah, he's done pretty well for himself. Um, but like trades away Anthony Davis and, you know, fortunately gets Zion Williamson to, to land in his lap. But you've seen his struggles as he's trying to figure out how to operate as a in a LeBronless world. And I think this thing with Steph and the next steps that the Warriors take here moving forward, I think are really going to be painted by whether or not um, they have that self awareness to understand how rare Steph is, yeah. you know, the Lakers are really fortunate because like, you know, you go from magic to Kobe and then LeBron, like one day just decides like, yeah, I want to be a Lakers space jam too. Can't wait. Um, and, and, and like the, the, the Lakers don't necessarily have to have that like self-awareness, but even over the course of the season, while they were like waiting to trade Russell Westbrook, I was like, Hey guys, you realize the opportunity you're potentially squandering here too. So all of like, I think it's really easy to have organizational um, entitlement, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that is the biggest thing that the Warriors really have to overcome. If they lose this series, if the, you know, that, that, that slice of crow that they'll have to eat kind of organizationally is, is, is really going to be fascinating to see how they deal with that. Yeah. I, I fully agree. And, you know, I've, I've said this a lot on podcasts and articles on tweets, on tweets, in tweets, um, like <laughs> yeah. language today, man. I'm really learning a lot of things. This is, this is, you're a writer. School. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I brought this up. You're a, a writer. Like, you're not a speaker. I'm, like you, not, you have the, you have the delete button in writing. I have you're the good. delete button and I have Grammarly and I have uh, a mother who, who will happily read anything I want. And I have a great editor. Shout out yeah. Harrison Fagan. Um, yeah. I know but, you hate him, but, uh, but yeah, I, like I mean, you um, fired me. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap this up. right? Yeah, that's it. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Joe Lacob has like, he's publicly stated so many times that he wants to emulate the Spurs model of like mm -hmm. sustained success over like 20 years. And I yeah. bring this up a lot that like, have you, have you watched their last five? Yes. Have you watched the last five years? <laughs> And the, and the Spurs had sustained success for two primary reasons. With all due respect to Manu and Pop, who are amazing, and Tony Parker. Like they had sustained success because they drafted one of the 10 greatest players in NBA history who was very good for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. And as he was starting to tail off, they somehow drafted Kawhi Leonard, who, when he is healthy, is yeah. probably one of the like 15 most talented players in NBA history. And that yeah. is why they sustain that success. And now they don't have those guys. And even with their lottery picks, they've built a crap team that is going to be crap for a very, very long time, it looks like. Yeah. And like the point there that, that I think Joe Lacob doesn't necessarily realize and, and, and a lot of warriors, a lot of people in the organization, a lot of fans, I think, don't necessarily realize is that like you, you can't just build a second timeline with young players you yeah. need a seminal superstar and that's yeah. not something that you can just go out and draft or develop that's not something that you can say hey bob myers you're a great gm hey steve curry you're a great coach let's go draft the next Kawhi leonard no you need to get really 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 lucky yeah. and that's the only way to have a two timeline is to get really 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 lucky twice and you can't, twice <laughs> 
And they got really, 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 really lucky with Steph Curry. Thank you, David Kahn. You are a Bay Area legend for drafting Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. Yeah. Uh, the Warriors got really lucky once. And, you know, sure, you could talk about two timelines if James Wiseman or Jonathan Kaminga or Jordan Poole looked like Kawhi Leonard. And all respect to them, they do not. And that's not surprising. That's not a failure by anyone that you didn't draft the next Kawhi Leonard. That's just the cold, hard reality. And, you know the Spurs get love for being like this cool selfless team that like plays team ball and whatnot. The Detroit Pistons, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going off the top of my head here. The Detroit Pistons in the aughts are like the only team in NBA history that has won a championship without having like a top five or 10 player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I think that's doubly true in this era. And even there, like when, when he was right, Rashid Wallace was one of the most talented players of that yes. era. He was one of the Incredible. most talented players. And they had like five guys who were like perennial all-stars, essentially. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it was a very special blend that led to them being able to, yeah. to do that. Well, and I'm trying just, to think of like, because they had uh, Ben Wallace, who's a Hall of Famer. Yep. Chauncey's Chauncey. close. Close. I, I um, Rip and Torian Tayshaun Prince was like a... Were, I called him Torian. <laughs> Torian, yeah. Tayshawn was like Tayshawn was like a mold ahead of his time, right? When yeah. three and D wings weren't really like thought of as 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 that important. Yeah. He had 3D that wing was super long and could get out in transition. Like he would have yeah. been like an all star every year in this era. And then you had Rashid, who like would have been a Hall of Famer if he wasn't such a crazy person. Yeah, like, who on his best day was one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah. So, um, you know, I th- I think I think people forget that that it's like. That, that's how you win a championship. Like, all respect to the role players, all respect to the coaches. They need to do their job to win a championship. There's a reason that only one team can win, and there are top five, top ten players every year who lose, and there are top five and ten, top ten players who never win a championship. But there just aren't teams that win a championship without that top five or the top yeah. ten player. You need Steph. You need LeBron. You need Giannis. Um, yeah. And so any talk for, you know, goes back to the word you used, entitlement. Like, any talk that you can just build another championship winner with no, and it doesn't involve having and there's a no path to that to that next no star. There's yeah. none. You know, James Wiseman was your hope at that path. You hope that when you have the number two pick that you can get that. But and, and I didn't like the pick, but that's not even a, a failure on their behalf. Like I, I don't think they handled that situation like well. in the honest way or in, <laughs> like. <laughs> That was quick. That was good. That was good. Yeah. All right. So maybe a little bit of a failure. Um, but like, it's an, that's another area of entitlement where like fans are like, you have the number two pick, you should get a superstar. Yeah. That's not how it works. Like you go back and you look at the history of the number look two. Look at the pick. Lakers. They drafted Lonzo. The they drafted Ingram. Like, yeah. yeah. Both those guys are good players, but neither of those guys are like cornerstones to a championship organization right now. Yeah. Like if you go back a lot of years like Kevin Durant might be the the only number two pick that's really like yeah a super duper star right now um and that's that's just the reality of drafting even when you have a high pick it's it's a crapshoot at some level the odds are stacked against you it it, like and even if even with hindsight yeah maybe the Warriors should have drafted Tyrese Halliburton or LaMelo Ball uh instead of James Wiseman you're not winning a championship with Tyrese Halliburton or LaMelo Ball as your best player like I love those guys and and maybe they'll prove me wrong maybe they'll like take that next jump. But like, yeah, the Warriors would be in a way better position if they had Tyrese Halliburton on their roster right now. 
you're still not in a two timeline position where you're able to yeah. just smoothly glide right into your next championship with Tyrese Halliburton as your best player. Like, I yeah. love the guy, but like, let's be for real. He's not Steph Curry. Yeah. And you don't have another Steph Curry. And I think any, any, I'm sorry, I'm just really on a rant here, but like, well, you, you could, you could have flipped Halliburton for Sabonis and that worked out really well in the playoffs. Like that, that went <laughs> there really we well. go. There yeah. it is. Get, get that, you know, championship grit of DeMontis Sabonis. <laughs> 82, Brilliant. like vaunted 82 game player. Uh, it's still wild to, to me that, that the Kings have had as much success as they've had after that trade. Like, like, that that was one of the catalysts to finally making the playoffs is you trade like the best player you've drafted and like god yeah. knows how long yeah well like it, it's like it's that weird it's the weird dichotomy between the 82 game regular season and the 16 game yeah you know postseason right he has enough skill that is going to be really difficult to deal with on a nightly basis over the course of like on a random Thursday night, he's a tough player to go up against. But when you have an entire like two week series to game plan against him, that's where you're going to see some of those issues. And by the way, you might be able to say the same thing, same thing about Halliburton. Like, you know, you, you might like, he's not, he's not, he's not that overwhelming LeBron, Steph, Giannis player yeah. that 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 you know you can't game plan against and take them out. You yeah. game plan against to try to minimize them and 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 yeah, like this notion. I've always just kind of laughed and and frankly, like yeah, as somebody whose uh, favorite team has to compete in a division against the Warriors, I've just been sitting here this whole time like yes, two times. <laughs> You got to keep an eye towards the future, Bob <laughs> or, or, or Joe. You really got to focus on on not maximizing Steph because we've seen it's it's fucking terrifying when 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 they maximize Steph. Like that that KD Steph team is you know you can make a real case it's the greatest team that has ever been assembled in NBA history yeah. and maybe basketball history. Like that might that team might have beaten the the, 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 the dream team. Like that team was insane, have, man. Um, and, and, and like, yeah, I, I just, um, <clears throat> that's why this series and the outcome of this series is so fascinating. And yeah, I know this is a Lakers pod, but I do think there are real lessons to learn here for any team. Like anybody yeah. listening to the show is like, it is not when, when you have a Steph or like in the Lakers case, as they've had a LeBron, let alone a LeBron and an Anthony Davis, like this notion when the Lakers were talking about, well, we can't trade the 2029 pick or they can't trade both the 27 and 29 pick. I'm like, who gives a shit about 2029? We've seen what a single trade or two trades basically have done for the Lakers chances this year. And it's because LeBron and AD are really effing good. Yeah. And like with, with, with uh, the Warriors case here, like they're, they're down three, two in this series, but had they flipped Wiseman earlier when his stock was higher and brought in somebody who could more immediately help, this would not be a series. Yeah. This would not there. Everybody would be playing for second right now. Yeah. And, and like, I, you know, the, 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 the sports fan in me is really kind of bummed because I want to see somebody like Steph's career maximized, but like the competitor, it's like, <laughs> way to go, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks bud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nail on the head there. Like if you had a, if the NBA just like started over today and teams were drafting from everyone and you could only give out one year contracts, you're just drafting to build a championship team this year. 
Steph Curry is a top five pick. Like, yeah, zero question. Maybe a top three pick. Um, like you could make the argument like Steph and LeBron are the top two picks. Yeah, because maybe I, it's I, maybe it maybe Giannis. You know, is, is if all you're focused on is one year, one year, you just need one year from LeBron. He's like, yeah, you're looking I at think. two of those guys, and at one point this year, both the Lakers and the Warriors were looking towards their future when they had two they had top two or three picks. <laughs> yeah, which is just insane. The goal is to win a championship. You have the the most important piece of that. Yeah. There's no excuse to do anything except go all in on that. You know, this isn't baseball. You don't have a minor league system. You can't like be. Well, the Lakers do. It's the Grizzlies, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> True. There's, see, there's that. Uh, there's that Lakers exception. This is extra privilege. They they get the flop calls. They get the minor league team. It's like the Grizzlies and the Magic. Okay. Like the like Paolo Bancaro. You are a Laker. It's just a matter of time. Just, we just don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see, that's where you got to make like the Warriors exceptionalism. Like, you, like you're looking at Shea, and it's like, yeah, eventually Shea's just going to be a, a a warrior. <laughs> see, this is this is an interesting, like this is this is a topic for a different day. But like, that's a really interesting point to me because like, the Warriors, you know, I I think the two timelines thing is BS. They need to be focused on the current timeline, but they. Like, if they're going to focus on the future, it should be less on, you know, how are you building your second timeline with the players that are on your roster? And it should be yeah. more on how do you become a team like the Lakers where you are the destination regardless yeah. of how you're doing. And mm -hmm. they're never going to be able to be the Lakers on that front because L.A. is L.A. Like, like that's the biggest possible, you know, L.A. and New Market. York, L.A. Yeah. and New York. And, like, there's nothing any team can do to compete with that. But the Bay Area is a popular place. You have a shiny new arena. You have owners that spend a lot of money. You have probably the best practice facilities in the NBA. Like, they sh they need to be doing things that, because right now they're appealing to players because you could come and play with Steph and you could potentially win a championship. But they mm -hmm. need to be setting the table so that, you know, in two or three years when Steph is either retired or just not that seminal superstar anymore, what are you doing to be that organization where Shea Gilgis Alexander says, "Hell yeah, like sorry OKC, why would I stay here when I could play for the Warriors?" And I don't yeah. think that they're that organization. I, I don't think the Warriors are a bright and shiny organization. I think Steph Curry is a bright and shiny organization. And well, I, I even figure that out. I take that a step further. Um, and this was my concern with the way that the Lakers were handling the season earlier, where. Like players around the league are watching them potentially waste another season of LeBron, another season of AD. And stars are like, well, I'm not going to go somewhere where I'm not going to be maximized. True. And so like other stars around the league, I would imagine, are looking at, at Steph have to drag Jordan Poole and yeah. John, Jonathan Kaminga and, 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 and what, what's Wiseman's? James Wiseman. James <laughs> Wiseman. <clears throat> like maybe stay away from J names. Joe, <laughs> but <laughs> found, the, found the problem. <laughs> but but like, but like, I would imagine there are conversations around the league where like people are looking at everything Steph has had to do to you know keep that organization afloat during this two timeline weird process that they're that they've um, taken upon themselves. And and yeah, like I, 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 not only would I say they haven't built that organization that that players and stars are really going to you know force their way to but depending on how this goes and depending on how this offseason goes 
can make a real argument that they've done the opposite of that. They've actually hurt their chances of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like it's been telling, like you look at Damian Lillard, for instance, the amount of things, positive things he has said about Draymond Green on Twitter this season mm-hmm. um, is just like outrageous. Like he's just like, yeah. I mean, and obviously a huge part of that is recruiting, but, but it doesn't matter. Like it, the point is the same, like Draymond Green for as for all his antics and all he angers people and even angers players. They want that guy on their team. They want that guy on their team. They, they believe that that guy is a winner. LeBron wants him on his team. Dame wants him on his team. And if you do something like trade Draymond or he opts out and you don't make him a competitive offer, or you tell him to opt out, tell him to opt out. Yeah. Yeah. And then you keep building around Jordan Poole, who I think everyone has taken note of Jordan Poole's body language in these last two series. Like when you're looking at a Giannis or a Doncic, potentially getting frustrated with their franchises not winning. You're right. Like who those guys aren't going to look at the Warriors forcing Draymond Green out and building around Jordan Poole next to Seth Curry and say, yeah, this is this is where I need to go to maximize my chances to be a superstar who is winning championships year in and year out. So there's yeah. there's a lot at stake there, even though I, you know, despite what I said about the two timelines things like you do need to be looking down the road. In, oh yeah eventually at some style, point you know? yeah at yeah. some point you need to and like those are maybe the things just, you can be looking maybe not while you have Steph like <laughs> yeah but like you can look down the road while you have Steph in a way that doesn't hurt yeah. Steph right like you can look at how you're treating Steph you can look at how you're treating the organization and other players to make yourself more likable um yeah that I think is how you prioritize the second timeline not getting rid of your players that are helping you in championships now to build around players that might never be good. Yeah. Yeah. The real key, um, I think for them, um, even having had this conversation is, is Kirk Lake of like, you know, that he's, he's the key to the future. He's your, he's your second timeline. He's the superstar there it is. who's going to step in and, uh, and, and yeah, figure everything out. Um, those it, babies, they always do it, man. It works. <laughs> It's it's just it's nepotism has never failed in the past. It's, like, it's never, never failed, failed, especially in the NBA. Yeah, it's like it, it's a it's shooting a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that said, like you know, either Avery or Miles are going to be able to take over this podcasting empire one day. But <laughs> I, I look I look forward to podcasting with them in thirty years. <laughs> yeah. Your your kids and my kids just one day just like talking talking about the two timelines. We'll just be sitting <laughs> right out of camera. Just six beers like, drink, just laughing. Like the, like holding off. up SNL writing boards. Like like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about when Draymond punched someone in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Do you remember that? Which time? You were two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well this has been an absolute blast, man. It always is. Again, Golden State of Mind is where you can find Brady's, uh, Brady's work. Also at at SB Nation in general. Um, miss working with you, bud. Glad to hear that you're Likewise. doing well. And I hope that you uh, really hate the way that Game 6 plays out. <laughs> Likewise, man. <laughs> Likewise to all of that. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Take care, buddy. <laughs>